Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So today, I want to answer the question, why does it even matter? Why does it matter that Jesus raised from the dead? And you're like, well, how dare you even ask? Of course it matters. I know it matters. I'm not uninformed. I know it matters. I want to I talk about why, though. Why does it matter? Why does it matter to us today in 2022 in Tampa, Florida? Why does it matter? Why? I got some friends watching from Pennsylvania. I just thought of them. Why does it matter in Pennsylvania? Why does it matter here? Why does it matter to us right now? What is the purpose of his resurrection? I want to answer that question. And I pray that if you feel like you know the answer to that question, your answer would be deepened today. Amen? That we would get a deeper answer. It would be a, a further impartation of the truth of why he raised from the dead. Amen? Is that fair? It seems like a fair question, right? So I like to do this. This is how I do it. If you're family, you know. I like to give the bottom line at the beginning. I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to prove it. Okay? Here's the purpose. Tell you the answer right now. Fill in the blank. The purpose of his resurrection is to restore us back to innocence. The purpose of Jesus raising from the dead was to make us innocent again. To restore us back to a place of innocence. Without the resurrection, we would still be forgiven. Do you understand? Friday, when he died on the cross, it is finished. Forgiveness, it, it was paid for. Redemption paid for. All of your sins paid for. Let me help you. He didn't die for the sins of the church. He died for the sins of the whole world. Did you know the whole world's sins are already paid for? So instead of getting mad at them for sinning, why not tell them it's already paid for and they don't have to? Why not? Why not? It's just a, just a thought. That was free. Okay. So the, all of the sin of the earth was taken on Christ. He who knew no sin became sin, 2 Corinthians 5 says. He became it. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He didn't just pay for your sin. He became your sin. He didn't just forgive your sin. He became the murderer. He became sin. Don't get mad at me. It's in your Bible too, I promise. Okay? You can Google it. Consult the prophet Goagle and you'll see that I'm right. Okay? You will see that I'm right. He became our sin. Say he became it. Before he raised, he became it. He paid for it all on Friday. Are you with me? Yeah? So without the resurrection, we would still be forgiven. And you're like, well, what else is there? That's the gospel, isn't it? Isn't that the gospel? Forgiven? No. Without the resurrection, we would be forgiven, but still fallen. And that is the partial gospel of much of the Western church. It is. I don't, I don't have another word for it. <laughs> it's heresy. It is. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's the opposite. It's wrong. I'm being kind with my language today because we have guests. I'm being nice with the words I use, okay? <laughs> I have some stronger terms for it, but I'm going to stop there. It's just wrong. It's a partial gospel. And, you know, Paul even said, if anyone comes to you preaching another gospel, even I myself bring you a different version of this thing, let God's curse be upon him. He precursed himself if he watered this thing down and changed it. Hello? Okay. So what is it? If we're not just forgiven, we're 
something else has happened because of the resurrection. Amen? We not only have been seated with him, we not only have been raised with him, not only are we going to be raised, but we've been restored back to innocence right now. We have been restored to innocence. And let me tell you, it takes just as much as, as much faith to believe you're innocent day by day as it is to believe that you're forgiven. It does. Because I make choices that don't reflect my innocence. Just me? Anyone else? Okay, the rest of you are professional Christians. <laughs> no, yeah. I act very unlike myself sometimes. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Okay? Listen, I got issues. Inauthenticity is not one of them, all right? I'm just going to, here's me. I'm me. I'm this way all the time. I'm this way at the restaurant, on the couch, in the pulpit. I'm this way, okay? So if you want a liar, go somewhere else. I am, I am continuing in my journey of freedom. I've got problems, but it doesn't change my innocence. Because he is alive, I am innocent. End of statement. I can prove it. This isn't my opinion. This is right out of the good book. Romans 4, verse 25. Let's read it together. It says, he, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins. That's where most of the church stops. Yeah, he died for our sins. He died for our sins. But we still suck. Good news. You're forgiven. But you're a wretched, nasty person. And God is just tolerating you. And so are we. Please weep and cry at the altar each week because you need to be forgiven and you're trying to believe you're forgiven. Just make me feel good and weep at the end of my sermon. Make me feel validated in the fact that I made you feel the weight of your sin that he took upon himself. It's wrong. Partial gospels are evil gospels. <laughs> A partial gospel is an evil gospel. Because it's extremely confusing. And our God is not a God of confusion. But that's real confusing. I'm forgiven. He loves me. I don't know why, though. <laughs> you know? How, why do you love me? Oh, my gosh. I'm so awful and wretched. You know it. I know it. No. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. That's not the end of the story. He didn't stay in the tomb. He did not stay in the tomb. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And you might be thinking, well, aren't those the same things? No, they're not. I'm glad you're asking these questions. I'm glad you're thinking through this with me. Okay, let's read it in another translation just to get a different picture. The Passion Translation, same verse. Romans 4.25 says, Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he made us right with God. Come on. If you're not sure, if it's not proven to your heart that you're right with God, you are not sure he is raised. The minute you doubt his resurrection is the minute you get to doubt whether you're right with God or not. But if you believe he's alive, there's, a, there's an effect, cause and effect. It's the purpose of resurrection. He restored you back to innocence to be made right with God. Come on, this is good news. You're already right with God. I don't want to skip over the forgiveness thing. It's all in the atonement. Amen. It's all in his sacrifice. It's all in what he did. But I think it's important that we make the distinction. What is forgiveness? What is justification? 
these words can be just kind of empty words, right? Unless we have a definition. So that's what I want to talk through quickly here, okay? So forgiveness, I want to give you a definition of the term forgiveness. Are you ready? It means to be released from punishment. Say that with me. Released from punishment. That's forgiven. You're forgiven. I will not punish you. In fact, when you forgive others, you shouldn't say it wasn't a big deal. You shouldn't say, oh, it didn't happen. You should say it was messed up. It did happen, and I will not punish you for it. That's forgiveness. It looks, the trauma, the failure, everything right in the face and says, I will not be your punisher. I release you from punishment. That's forgiveness. Not, oh, let's just not talk about it. It's okay. Let bygones be bygones. Water under the bridge. All that stuff. No, that's not forgiveness. That's passive aggressiveness, okay? It's the spirit of stupid. Let me help you, all right? Don't be ignorant. That's ignorant. Look it in the face. Say, hey, man, you and I both know that, that was messed up. But I will not punish you. I forgive you because I've been forgiven. Jesus refuses to punish me, and I refuse to punish you. That's forgiveness. I love what Brian Simmons, my, my mentor and friend, says. He says this, for God to remember your sins, he would have to forget his son Jesus. For God to remember your sins, he'd have to forget his son. Let me help you. That ain't happening. Hallelujah. <laughs> Aren't you happy about that? You can get happy at any time in this church. Believe me. All right. This is not like, <laughs> I'm wearing this jacket for you. Okay. <laughs> it got a little warm when I joined the flag team earlier. I've never done that before. I just felt the spirit of breakthrough. I'm like, I got to. I got to do something new. <laughs> My heart's leaping in a new way. I got to do something. I grabbed the flag. I got really warm. <laughs> Still really warm. God is not going to forget. The Father is not going to forget the Son. And therefore, he will not remember your sins. This is straight out of Scripture. Okay? Uh, let's jump to Hebrews 8, 12. He promised it. He said, I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So be careful in your moment of repentance that you don't remember something he forgot. You're like, you just like removed all my repentance, my repentance programming. Yeah, I know. You need to repent on this side of the cross. You need to repent on this side of the tomb. You need to repent from heavenly places, not from earthly ones. Hello? Repentance now in the new covenant goes, thank you, Jesus, you forgave that before I ever did it. That is not who I am. That's not who I'm called to be. I'm going to be something different from now on. That's repentance. Are you following me? It's not, oh, God, please forgive me. It's not saying a prayer a certain way. It's not if you pray the right way, he'll forgive you. If you don't pray it before you die, you're not forgiven. I'm sorry. He's already forgotten your future sins. He has forgotten your future sins. So why are you remembering what King Jesus has forgotten? This is forgiveness. Remember is the opposite of dismember. I'm not trying to be graphic, but I do want it to stick in there, all right? Like, it's to put the pieces back together. It's like something's been dismembered and ripped apart, and for us to remember it would be to put the puzzle back together, put the pieces back together. For God to remember, he'd be bringing the picture back in front. There is a mainline thought that God is going to play the YouTube reel of all of your worst sins at the gates of heaven before you enter in. That's prevalent, and it's antichrist. I tried not to say the word, but it's antichrist. It's the opposite of what Christ has done. He said, I will remember your sins no more. 
He's not going to bring it up. And in fact, when you're wallowing in condemnation over your sinfulness, he's going, what are you talking about? I'm just so wretched. He's like, no, I don't, I don't remember the thing you're confessing anymore. I don't, what are you talking about? You're like, well, God knows all things. Yeah, he's also sovereign and able to forget what he knows. Okay, I'm trying to be gentle, but we got to get deepened in this thing. It's got to be deepened in us. It's got to be further set in place that we have been released from all punishment. Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. If you go west, you'll never hit east. Do you understand? If you keep going east, you will never hit west. You understand? He's never putting it back together. He's never bringing it up. We're the ones who need to forget our wicked ways. And if you continually remember, like most discipleship in the West, and I'm not trying to like beat up the bride, I'm just, we got to bring correction where there needs it, okay? Like most discipleship programs are sin management programs, all right? Let's just manage how much you stink. Let's put some deodorant on. Let's make sure you bathe every week on Sunday, get you your Jesus shot, and then on Wednesday have an accountability meeting, make sure, give you another boost before you, so you can make it to Sunday and get cleansed again. I'm sorry, that's not the gospel. That's actually a partial gospel. And you are actually lining up for a curse by proclaiming such things. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> he has removed my sins from me. I've been released from punishment. I'm never going to be punished for my sins, and neither are you. Did Jesus pay it all or not? Jesus paid for some, most to him I owe. No. Are you kidding me? Come on. Say, I've been released from punishment by the forgiveness of Christ. The whole world can declare that as true. But it is good news. And we're not just, that's not where it stops, so that's great. And if it just stopped there, we would be so privileged, amen? But it doesn't stop there. Come on. We are not just forgiven, we are justified. I want to give you a definition of justification. Are you ready? It's restored to innocence. That's what it means. So forgiveness is released from punishment, but justification is I'm innocent again. Let me show you. This is how I remember it. Justified equals just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. It's not just I've been forgiven of all my sins. It's I'm put back in the state I was in as if I had never done those things in the first place. Restored to the garden. Back to original design of being children of God. Perfect, flawless, innocent before him. The Bible says that you're innocent in his sight. And I've heard preachers say, well, that's positional. That's in the sight of God. And I say, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me God has sight issues? You're telling me God can't actually see clearly? You're telling me God needs corrective lenses or contacts? No, we're the ones who need the correction. We're the ones who need to see ourselves like God sees us. And it takes faith to live this way and go, you know what? Yeah, that was wrong. I repent. I shouldn't do that, treat that person this way. But I have not lost my innocence because it was given to me by the resurrected king. And he's still alive and well forevermore. Come on, somebody. That's faith. 
That says the resurrection has done something to me. Here's my theological statement right here. I'll tie a bow on it. I refuse to elevate the fall of Adam above the risen Christ. I refuse to say the fall of the first Adam has more effect on me and my family and my bloodline and all that stuff than the risen last Adam, Jesus Christ the righteous. It does not. He is more powerful. His blood speaks a better word. There is nothing that can undo it. He has outdone everything Adam did. He took his body with him. He did not disappear into a vapor. He took his body with him. Flesh and bone are enthroned. And he's waiting for us to make his enemies a footstool, namely the principalities and powers of darkness, not people. Because all those people, according to Jesus, are to die for and to rise for. You're like, oh, this is just your idea. No, let me tell you, the Greek word justified, literally in the Strong's Concordance, that's a Bible dictionary. A lot of smart men wrote it, not me, okay? This word justified equals the act of being pronounced righteous. Acquittal. The Greek word justified is you are righteous. It's a pronouncing of righteousness. Acquitted. You're, you're let off. You're, you're totally clear. You're, you're not just wiped clean, but you're made clean. You understand the blood of Jesus is not a covering. It's a cleansing. The blood of bulls and goats like Israel did. That was a cover-up. It was a cover-up. Jesus came and cleaned it up. He took it onto himself, absorbed it. He's the expiation, if you need a big theological word. He removed the sin from us and took it on himself and took it into hell and looked the devil in the face and says, you have nothing in me. Give me the keys to death, hell, and the grave. The ones Adam gave you? Yeah, give them back. And the enemy had nothing to accuse him of, so he had to relent. He gave him, and it says he led a host of captives with him. Jesus announced to all of hell, said, every single one of you who believed in me, come on, we're going home. He did. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father. That means he has pronounced us not guilty. Innocent, just as if I'd never sin. Listen to Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified. You're like, oh, that's going to happen. No, you have been justified. Because Romans 4, the chapter 4, you could think, oh, he was raised for our justification. That's coming. That's coming. No, no, no. The next chapter, he says, therefore, since we have been justified, he clears it up. How? By faith. We have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not at peace with God, you might just not believe that he's alive. And in fact, the minute you start doubting his risen self, you start losing some peace. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, it's all on you to perform. It's all on you to purify yourself. It's all on you to say the prayer the right way. Go to the right church. Make sure they're not you know, theologically inaccurate. Become the theology police. You become totally crabby and not fun to be around. All right? But those who have peace with God, they know that God loves them and likes them. You know, like, Jesus really likes you. Like, you're his favorite. He wants to hang out with you. 
You know what I love about my kids? When they're playing and don't even notice me, I still love being with them. I love about my relationship with my kids, I should say. It's one of my favorite things. I love looking at my boys play and they don't know I'm looking at them. I love it. I love it. I love, they don't even, they're not recognizing me. They're not telling me how great I am. They're not cleaning their room. They're not obeying. They're not doing anything. They're just being children and I'm watching them be children and I love it. I like it. That's how God feels about you. He's not enduring you. He's enjoying you. I can say that because God does not need. I'm a little off topic, but I feel like I need, somebody needs this. God does not need. Therefore, the human race was not out of need. He didn't say, I need to make somebody to worship me. I need to create something that will give me praise because I need it. No, God does not need. God is the only thing that does not need, the only one who does not need. Are you with me? So why did he create us? For pleasure. To enjoy him and to be enjoyed by him. For fun. You're like, I can't go to church. The, the, the sky's going to fall. The roof's going to fall in. Jesus is like, I just want to hang out with you, bro. You know? <laughs> and by the way, there's a bunch of other people in there. I wouldn't do that to them, even if you deserved it. So, like, roof's not coming down. Be at peace, right? I mean, come on. This is the reality of what his resurrection has done. He's made you good. In the garden, they were godlike and very good. And you and I have been made godlike and very good. Innocent, restored back. You're like, well, you're taking this too far. Okay, I'll go further. First Corinthians 6 says that anyone who belongs to the Lord is one spirit with him in the English, but it's not there in the Greek. It's just one spirit. We're one spirit with Jesus. We've been filled completely by him, Colossians 2. We are one with him. The old has died, the new has come. We're a new creation. I'm not taking it far enough. I'm being easy on you. The life of the believer does not end in union with Christ. It begins there. As soon as you believe, you enter into and receive the manifestation of his forgiveness and justification. The minute you say, I'm going to believe that's true. Let's read it, same verse, Romans 5.1, in the Passion Translation. Different translations, I feel help. It says, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Come on. You're not just righteous. You have the righteousness of God. His righteousness was transferred to you. Come on. And he now declares us. Not will declare us. Not hopes to declare us if we pray enough. Not is holding on to see if we endure to the end of this sermon and be saved. <laughs> he is now, he has now declared us flawless in his eyes. Just look at your neighbor and say, you flawless. Come on. Now look at the other neighbor you don't like as much and say, you're also flawless. Feel weird about it, but you too. <laughs> what if we started to see ourselves and others the way God sees us? What if we got the lens of Christ and because he is alive, we can say, you're amazing. You're innocent. You are flawless. You're not always acting that way. Amen. Neither am I. But by faith, I can enter into the truth. And guess what? If you believe in your heart, 
that you are flawless, you'll act flawless. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you believe you're a sinner, you'll sin by faith. You believe you're a wretch, you'll use your faith to be wretched. But it doesn't change the reality of his pronunciation of innocence. That he has pronounced you innocent once and for all. I don't care what you say, it doesn't change his declaration. I don't care what you do, it doesn't change what he has done. I don't care what you think, it doesn't change how he thinks about you. So we can either line up with the truth or we can live like hell all the way to heaven. And we can be ineffective on the earth. And we can just impede the kingdom and slow down the day of the Lord. Instead of advance the kingdom and hasten the day of the Lord. If the church gets gripped by the resurrection of Christ, that it has made us innocent, I promise you, life is going to flow from the temple. From the many temples. It's going to be a living river of life. Everywhere you go, people will run to the church, not from the church. I doubt the church has even gripped the purpose of resurrection yet. I doubt it. There's been moments historically in church history, but there's coming a day where people go, those church people, they're just so innocent. It's coming to a church near you. <laughs> He now declares us flawless in his eyes. Reading on in Romans 5.1. This means, I love this. Me, this means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. If you don't have peace with God this morning, it's time to begin to believe the gospel. You're like, I don't, have, I don't know if God said peace with me. Then I would say you need to enter into the salvation that he has offered, not the the churchianity that you've been taught, but the Christianity, the real good news that you have peace with God right now. He doesn't like get awkward when you walk in. Like, oh, there they are again. Oh no. He goes, ah, oh, my friend, I love you. I was with you the whole time, but now you saw me, so hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually how it works, so. I love it. it. says, this means we can now, say, I can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, no matter what, because he's alive. It says we can enjoy that all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. It's not if you come to church, but you should, because you get something among brothers and sisters you can't get by yourself. I mean, did you feel the power in here during worship coming together? Oh, my gosh, it's my favorite thing in the world. I love it. I love it more than the sermon. And I like the sermon a lot. <laughs> that was an innocent statement. <laughs> coming together, celebrating him, reading the Bible. Oh, if you were here last week, you know I'm not saying... You know, there's nothing to do now. We need daily bread. We got to feed our spirit, but not in order to attain innocence, but because we have been given innocence. We start from glory and go to glory. 
Glory to glory. You start good and you get gooder, okay? You start new and you get renewed. It's Colossians 3. Only new things get renewed in the kingdom, but the church is trying to renew the old things. The old habits, the old ways, the old thinking. No one in the Trinity wanted the job of pastoring your old man. Jesus was like, there, that is too far gone. Let's kill that guy through proxy of my body and then give him a new person to live from. Anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone away. The new has come. And it's all because of what the anointed one has done for us. It's not what you do for God. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory, not you trying to be Christ-like, hoping for glory. It's Christ in you, and you can't undo it. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Good news, you can't make him leave the room. No matter what you do, he'll never leave the room. You cannot traumatize him out of your space. Some of y'all have tried. You can't. You can't. No measure of depravity sends him running. He's already ran out of the grave. He is seated forevermore. And when he returns again, he'll be seated again. He's remaining in this, the resting place. He is remaining seated. Are you with me? The purpose of resurrection is to restore us back to innocence. I feel faith in the room. I feel like somebody went, wow, I'm innocent? the good news. Gigi, would you come up? As we end, I just want to answer one more question. Like, why does it take faith? If God is good and God has done all this and it's already been, it's already happened, why do we have to believe? Like, can't he just like, you know, he did it, so it's done, so why do I have to have faith? Because choice, I'll tell you why. Great question. Choice is the axiom of love. You remove choice, you no longer have love. If you force love on someone, that, there, there's a different word for that. It's called abuse, right? I, I'm gonna make you love me. You're gonna love me because I said so. That's abusive. God is not an abuser. God is love. And love respects your choices. It does. John chapter one, verse 12 through 13 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wait a minute, aren't we all back to the, yeah, those who believed it walk in the rights of a child. If you don't believe you're a child of God, then you won't walk in the rights of a child of God. He gave the right to become the child, child, children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It takes faith because you must be born again, as Jesus said. You must experience a new birth. You must be born of God, and that takes faith. You're not going to enter your mama's womb again and have a physical experience. You have to have a spiritual one. Are you with me? Water and spirit. So would you all stand just for a moment? I'm going to have our prayer team come down front and face you guys. But I need everyone to just turn on their imagination for a minute, okay? Can you imagine something with me just a couple more minutes? You might have to close your eyes to do that so you're not distracted. I don't know. But just imagine you have nowhere to live. 
All right, go with me for a second. Just imagine, you have no place to go today. When you leave here, you have no home. There's nowhere for you to rest. And imagine you have nowhere to live because you failed to pay for your last place. You messed it up big time. You were kicked out. The bank came and seized the house. You have nowhere to live and it's your fault. Just imagine for a minute, just imagine with me, okay? And then imagine I came, Caleb, I came, and I paid off your old house and I cleared your record with the bank, all the back interest, all of it, took care of everything. And then I bought a new house and I tried to give it to you. I said, here's your house now. I wanna give it to you, a literal house, but you refuse the house. You refuse it. I have paid for it. It's free and clear. It's ready to be put in your name. All you have to do is sign the paperwork and you get to own the house, paint the house, decorate the house. It's your house. But you don't believe me that the house is really gonna be yours. You don't believe me that the house is actually bought and paid for. You think there's a catch. You don't believe that you're forgiven of your past and your records wiped clean. You think it's gonna come back to haunt you. And so you say no. Because you do not believe that it is a gift, you refuse it. And therefore, you remain homeless and sleep outside tonight. That is exactly what it's like to refuse the salvation of Jesus Christ. That is exactly why, and I say this with a heavy heart, with great fear and trembling. That is why some will end up in hell. It is because they refuse to admit that they actually need forgiveness in the first place, that they messed it up. They refuse to admit it. They refuse to admit they've lost any innocence. They refuse to say, yeah, something's not right in here. And they refuse to believe that Jesus died to release them from punishment and was raised to restore them to innocence. Or maybe they just refuse to believe that someone can conquer death and therefore stay condemned. But the Father is ready. The Father has paid for the house. It's got your name on the paperwork. He's ready for you to come home. He's ready for you to live in His embrace. But if you refuse His gift of this new place to live, this new way to live, this new essence of life, you will be choosing to live on your own and pay for your own way. You're choosing to step over the dead body of Jesus who laid down at the gates of hell and said, over my dead body will you get in here. You're choosing to refuse the opportunity to be made innocent again and new by God. To be made new by God. I say this with deep love in my heart. Do not be so foolish. You fool. Why would you say this? Why would you refuse it? All you gotta do is sign. You don't have to perform. You don't have to pay. It's yours with your name on it. It's been paid for for 2,000 years. And it's ready for you to receive by faith. 
don't be a fool. There are those in this room who have already received forgiveness and justification. And we have great celebration in our heart over these things. Amen? Is there anyone in here who celebrates the fact that they've been made righteous? Come on. Like before Jesus, you couldn't do it right. But now you can. You actually are able to. Come on, that's, that's amazing. There are those who celebrate righteousness. There are those here who are celebrating their peace with God. That you're whole, that there's nothing missing, that the world could be in chaos, but you have a steadfast hope in you. Is that anyone in the room? Are, are you, I mean, does anyone have peace with God in here? Is anyone willing to say, thank you, Jesus, that's me? You're standing among people who have joy in the midst of even trial and the hardships of life. There's a fountain of joy flowing in them, in us. You're standing among them. Why refuse? Why refuse? Those of you who have yet to receive these things by faith, now is your chance. Nothing fancy. If you want it, put your hand in the air. Say, I want the house right now. No hype, no hype. I want the, amen, I see you. Anyone else? I want the house. I'm gonna receive it by faith. Amen, I see you, amen. Come on, sister. Anyway, I see you, bro, amen. Amen, right back here, I see you. Anyone else? I want the house. I wanna come home. Anyone else wanna come home today? Amen, amen, amen. I want what he paid for, amen. Come on, thank you, Jesus. That's the gospel. Restore to innocence. Jesus did not require a prayer. He required belief. So right now, those who raise your hand, say, you're saying, I believe that it's bought and paid for. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. I believe that he restored me back to innocence. And you are saved in Jesus' name. Amen. You need to go public. And you will. If it's real, you'll tell somebody. I'm not worried about it. Come on. If you want to pray with someone, that's what this team is for. If you want further explanation, they're here. You can come down. If you have pain in your body, they're here. They'll prove God is real. They'll prove He's resurrected. There's resurrection power standing in these vessels. And they will release it on you. Prove it to you. If you still need evidence. But even if you're watching online, we have a team. Go ahead and comment. Say, I believe. Just comment. I want to believe. I say yes. And we'll celebrate with you. That team will get you online. The purpose of resurrection is to restore us back to our origin. To restore us back to being God-like and very good. To restore us to the days of the garden where we walked with God in the cool of the day. To restore us back to innocence forevermore. Come on, somebody, say amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.